0: Welcome, Welcome to, to our, our podcast. podcast. Hi, I'm Kenzie. Hi, I'm Emmy Beth. And today we'll be discussing the Supreme Court case, Brown versus Board of Education.
1: Disclaimer, we are high school students doing this podcast for a school project, so please keep that in mind throughout the duration of this podcast. Okay,
0: so we're going to jump right in. Basically, in the Declaration of Independence, it kind of says that, like, actually states all men are created equal but at the time that this was written when we seceded from great britain thousands of people were in enslavement in the colonies but then by around the 1860s opposition to slavery had grown and soon a civil war among the united states would break out and in 1865 the 13th amendment officially put an end to slavery however this did not mean that all was equal as once stated in the constitution People of color were heavily discriminated against up until the 1950s and 60s, a century after the end of slavery.
1: And this is where we can begin. In the 1950s, the NAACP was filing lawsuits around the country on behalf of plaintiffs to challenge these segregation laws. These laws at the time allowed for discrimination in schools, businesses, and anything else, just based on the color of someone's skin. In 1951, Oliver Brown filed a class action lawsuit against the Topeka, Kansas Board of Education following his daughter, Linda Brown, being denied access to Topeka's white Elementary schools. He claimed that the schools were separate but not equal. He went on to say that segregation violated the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment. So what the 14th Amendment is, is it
0: was written after the Civil War, and basically it says that no state can deny to any persons within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. This clause was very vague at the time, and but it would later become the basis of many civil rights cases. Brown took his case to the US District Court in Kansas, which agreed with him. However, they were obligated to uphold the separate but equal precedent set forward by Plessy versus Ferguson. Lower courts are obligated, no matter their belief, political stance, etc are required to uphold precedents that are established by the Supreme Court. The next step Brown and his lawyers could do would be to appeal to the Supreme Court, which is exactly what they did. But right now, let's take a look at Plessy versus Ferguson. Kinsey, please explain
1: this further court case. Please further
0: explain this court case. In
1: 1896, in the Supreme Court case Plessy versus Ferguson, the justices ruled that segregation was constitutional as long as they were separate but equal. Segregation is the action of setting someone or something apart from people or other things. It allowed for laws such as separate schools, buses, etc., to be legal. These laws were known as Jim Crow laws. This precedent would stand for the next 6 decades and allow for injustice to occur all across the nation. That was until the ruling of Brown v. Board of Education.
0: Well said, Kinsey. Brown's case and four other cases related to segregation Case to the Supreme Court in 1952. The Supreme Court then combined all the similar cases into one and named it Brown versus Board of Education Topeka. At first, the justices were divided on how they should rule on this school segregation controversy. Chief Justice Vinson wanted to uphold Plessy versus Ferguson's separate but equal precedent, but the court was debating and debating on how they should do. But Justin, Justice Vinson died and was later replaced by Justice Warren in September of 1953. Then Brown v. Board of Education was heard by the Supreme Court. They then ruled unanimously to overrule Plessy v. Ferguson and declare segregation unconstitutional.
1: While the court ruled that schools needed to be integrated, it was not specific as to how to do it. It left the discretion up to the states as to how to implement them. While some states complied, others posed more of a struggle. In 1955, the courts issued a second opinion, known as Brown v. Board of Education II, which put future desegregation cases to lower federal courts and district courts. This act allowed for local judicial and political evasion of desegregation. Most of this defiance occurred in southern states. Like Kinsey was saying,
0: many schools refused to allow the blacks into their all-white schools. One extreme example was when the governor of Arkansas, at the time, called out the State National Guard to prevent black students from entering school in 1957. After a tense standoff, President Eisenhower had to deploy federal troops, and non students known as the Little Rock Nine were able to enter school by an armed guard. So, Kinsey, would you say
1: that this ruling was implemented immediately? Definitely not. When the Supreme Court issues a decision, it is dependent upon the executive branch for implementing the ruling. As a result, if the executive chooses to ignore the decision, there is nothing the court can do to change that. This is because of the checks and balance system set up by the founders and Constitution. Because Brown v. Board of Education was so controversial, it took years for it to be implemented properly. As seen by Little Rock Nine, which was in 1957 that occurred five years after the ruling. It took some adjusting, but eventually all races that wanted to attend schools were able to. Wow. Sounds like the judicial is helpless upon
0: its own. But I don't know about that, Kinsey. I believe segregation is a struggle even today. How so, Amy Beth? Well, after the Brown versus Board of Education ruling, many white wealthy families started sending their kids to private institutions to prevent them from being in integrated schools with blacks. Since most of the non-white families couldn't afford to send their kids to these private schools, the schools thus remain segregated despite government intentions. Since private schools are like their name, private, they can't be regulated by the government and can accept who they want for a vast sum of money. This still occurs today in urban areas where large populations are minorities and wealthier white families choose to send their kids to private schools.
1: I guess you're right. There's only so much government involvement that can make a difference.
0: Yeah, at a certain point, it's up to us as people to make a difference. Each generation is faced with the challenge to further improve our society for the next generation with ways to make our world a better place. So, how would you describe the changes this ruling had on the lives of these non-white students?
1: After the ruling, many students no longer were forced to wake up at the crack of dawn and ride a bus for multiple hours to the nearest colored school. They could attend the school to which was most convenient to them and their families. They also had the opportunity to receive a better education, since at the time, most colored schools did not receive the adequate funding to provide a proper education for students. So would you say there is a lasting impact of this court case?
0: Yes, for sure. In my opinion, the lasting impact of Brown versus Board of Education was huge. It is one of the handful of Supreme Court cases that changed America permanently. After the ruling, the Warren Court was met with many civil rights cases. They continued to rule in favor of minority rights. This not only changed schools, but everyday life for citizens. Who you would hire and fire, who you would serve at a restaurant, even simple things like what bathroom people would go to. Wow, that's a big deal. There's even more. The Brown ruling sparked an entire movement for civil rights throughout the 1960s, such as Rosa Parks' bus boycott, Martin Luther King's nonviolent protest, and many other situations where awareness was brought as to how to minorities and those with different skin color were treated. When Warren and the other justices made the Brown ruling, they had no idea the lasting impact they would have by a simple vote to overrule a
1: century-old precedent. It's very clear that this was a very important ruling that continues to be relevant today. I remember now that after the ruling, other acts, such as Civil Rights Act of 1964, which helped the process of desegregation, the Voting Rights Act of 1965, which ensured that minorities had the opportunity to perform their civic duty of voting, and the Fair Housing Act of 1968 were all made possible by the Brown ruling in 1953.
0: Definitely. America has a very rich history, which must be learned about. Otherwise, history will repeat itself. That's why it's so important we learn and we can continue to
1: move forward. Exactly. Well, guys, that's all we have for today. We hope that you enjoyed this chat over Brown versus Board of Education and further understand how a simple court case can change our way of law forever.
0: Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening. Yay! We hope you enjoyed the following bloopers that occurred while we were making this video. you your pink. <laughs> you gotta get this done. What do I feel like this? Is the okay. Crap. <laughs> Never mind. And Fiatini, what do you think about Brown versus Board of Education?
1: Well, I think Brown is the color of duty. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and <laughs> and is this a I think. Matter, Sophia.
1: I think that the Board of Education is awesome. very important. Good.